Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Hi, everyone. Well, this is a little unusual situation right now. It's June the 4th, Wednesday afternoon, and I'm sitting here uh, preaching a message to the camera, to all of you, because a couple weekends ago on Memorial Day weekend, May 24th and 25th, all three of the services didn't record. We're committed to making sure that the messages we preach here at New Life are online for all of you who aren't able to be at New Life uh, to see, as well as those of you who come to New Life who'd like to review a message from time to time. In any case, uh, it's Memorial Day weekend in my mind right now, and one of the things that I said to start off the message that day was, a long time ago when I was first in the ministry, I did a funeral. And after the funeral, someone who was in attendance came up to me and said, if I die... I want you to do my funeral. And I looked at him and I said, if you die, don't you mean when you die or if you die before I die because you're going to die. All of us are going to die. And Memorial Day weekend, we're aware of that because we think about those men and women who down through the centuries in this nation have given the ultimate sacrifice, the gift of their very own lives so that we can do what we're doing right now, worship God freely. As I think about that matter of uh, ultimate end, the day we wake up in front of Jesus, and there are only going to be two results. Either we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom, or depart from me. I never knew you. I think about that day more often as I get older. I'm going to be turning 57 in a few days, and as I think about that day for myself and for everyone else, I realize one day, in a moment, maybe we expect, maybe we don't expect, we're going to be dead, and there's going to be Jesus. And what I ask this afternoon is this. What's going to be like when that moment comes? What is it going to be like when we face Jesus? What will we have been doing? And I often think about that. I really do think about that a lot. Would I want Jesus to see me right now? And uh, as we think about those men and women, uh, we, we often think about military people saying they want to die with their boots on, which means they want to die serving their country. They want to die doing something meaningful and significant. And so the same with us. We want to be doing something significant every moment of our lives. And with that, I introduce this new series. It's called Wise and Careful Living. And the reason we're introducing this new series is because we want to make sure that all of us are doing something important when that moment comes when we face Jesus. And this is a different series than any kind of series we've ever done here at New Life. What makes it different is in seven weeks, we're going to look at just seven verses. Why in the world would we do that? Seven weeks to investigate seven verses, one verse each week for seven weeks. There are hundreds, thousands actually of verses in the Bible. So why would we do just seven in seven weeks? Well, the answer to that question is easy. Pastor Brad and I were planning this year's messages last year, and as we thought about the summer, we thought to ourselves, well, we usually do a series based on uh, one of Paul's letters, the Apostle Paul's letters over this summer, or we do one of the pastoral letters, but what does, what does new life really need next summer? 
And as we are praying about that and thinking about that, one day I was actually just reading my Bible, my daily Bible reading. I read through Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21, and I thought, this is it. This is the series for next summer, or well, the first seven weeks of the summer anyway, because each of those verses could be a message. And, and actually, Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, wrote an entire book based on one of these verses. And uh, the book's title is The Best Question Ever. And the book is based on, you know, the, the question of what should we do? What's the wise thing to do? And this series is going to look at that question every single week. What is the wise thing for us to do based on whatever, you know, verse 15, verse 16, and so on. And as a result of that, the take-home point every single week of this series is going to be uh, based on the wise do something, the foolish do something. We're going to compare and contrast wisdom and foolishness. And you don't have to look very far these days to see foolishness, do you? In fact, the week that we uh, actually had this message, uh, the week before that here in Pennsylvania, something happened I, I consider to be very foolish because as I grew up in Pennsylvania, I, I lived most of my uh, growing up years in Gypsy, Pennsylvania, and as I was growing up, I attended school, and I was a good student, and I loved geography and history and civics, that kind of thing. And I learned that we have a three-part system of government here in uh, not just in Pennsylvania, but in the entire United States, and the executive branch is uh, basically overseas, and they can introduce uh, government uh, legislation, but ultimately the legislature has to determine whether a law is going to become a law or not, and then the judicial branch is supposed to interpret the law. They're not supposed to make laws, but in Pennsylvania this past week, the week of Memorial Day, um, the judicial branch made a law. They, they said that uh, gay marriage is okay. Uh, and, and that's something that the legislative branch should do, not the judicial. So that's foolish. But let's look at a little bit closer to home. What about when you wake up in the morning and look at the person, you know, in the mirror? That person has done a lot of foolish things. I know when I look in the mirror, I see a, a, a guy who's done a lot of foolish things. And we're going to do foolish things until we learn to do wise things. And that's why this series, Wise and Careful Living... And the take-home point for today is the wise care, fools despair. Let me say that again. The wise care, fools despair. When I drive here to the Mission Outpost, there's one route that I could take. There's a lot, a lot of different routes I can actually take to get here. But one of those routes, um, I drive past a yard. It has a little sign that says, I miss the America I grew up in. And every time I see that sign, I think to myself, I don't. I don't miss the America I grew up in because the America I grew up in didn't have air conditioning. The America I grew up in didn't have, or it had black and white television. I mean, the, the America I grew up in didn't have cell phones. It didn't have the internet. Heck, the, the America I grew up in didn't even have cassette tapes until I was a teenager. So I don't miss much about that. Now, yeah, sure, there are some things I miss about the 60s and 70s in Gypsy, Pennsylvania. I miss that when I was six years old, I could leave home in the morning in a summer day, and I could walk halfway across town, do whatever I wanted to do, and I didn't have to go home till lunchtime. And then at lunchtime, I'd, you know, after lunch, I'd go out, and I would come back at dinner, and then I'd go back out the rest of the day until uh, my mother would call me to come home at night. And I didn't, my mom didn't have to worry about anything. In fact, if I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing, one of the other mothers in town would say, Chris Marshall, does your mother know you're doing that? And I'd go, uh, no. And she, they, she would say, well, then stop it. And she would enforce me to do the right thing. And so anyway, I miss that kind of thing. We don't have that much these days in America. And I do miss... Uh, 
five-cent fudgesicles. I miss 10-cent Cokes and glass bottles. I also miss going to Pioneer Lake every summer and water skiing and swimming and pretty much not having a care in the world. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade that yesterday for this now for anything. I mean, now I get to live my life responsibly as an adult. I get to do something that matters for eternity every day of my life. And, and the thing is, whether I like now or I, I prefer yesterday, I, I really don't have a choice. I can only live today. And that's why fools despair and uh, the wise care. Now, am I saying that people that are worrying about yesterday and wishing that they could bring back the America they grew up in are fools? Yes, I actually am saying that if they're living in yesterday. Let me, let me talk about what I mean because we're going to look at that in verse 15. But in order to do that, let's look at the entire passage, Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. And uh, after we read it, then we're going to focus in on verse 15. So let's uh, read God's Word together. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to God for everything. And, and, and Whoops, let me say that again. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we read these words of wisdom uh, and truth, we ask that you would, uh, today in particular, show us how we can make the, uh, the wise choice, the careful choice, and not live like fools. We ask that you would use these truths over these next seven weeks to make us more and more like you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we're going to take one of these verses each of the seven weeks of this series. And if you're here today and if you're going to come and will come every week or if you can't be here every week, if you watch the video uh, that we post up every week, I can tell you what's going to happen. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to learn how to live wisely. And I believe you're going to, you're going to decide uh, during this seven-week time that following Jesus is the best way to live. If you're already a follower of Jesus, you're going to do two things. One is you're either going to learn or grow deeper in seven specific ways of living wisely before the Lord. And you're going to be prepared for eternity. And since we could be going to see Jesus this afternoon or tomorrow at any point in our lives, it's a good thing to know these things. So, let's take a moment and go back to that verse we just read, the very first one, Ephesians 5.15. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at it in three different translations. The New Living Translation, which is the translation we use most often here at New Life. Then we're going to look at it in the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is Pastor Brad's favorite version. Then we're going to look at it at the MOT. The MOT is my own translation. And uh, some might laugh when you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor, you translate the Bible yourself? Well, actually, I've studied Greek for three decades now, and occasionally, especially, obviously, when it's a New Testament passage, I like to go back to that original Greek, and I like to see why is it that this translation puts it one way and this translation puts it another way. And so uh, let's read them in these three translations and then compare and, and see the, the similarities and the differences. So it says in the New Living Translation, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but the, like those who are wise. And then in the English Standard Version, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then it says this in the 
uh, MOT, therefore see how carefully you walk, not as unwise ones, but as wise ones. Now, the translations are basically the same, aren't they? But there are a few differences. Notice that the English Standard Version and my own translation talk about looking or seeing carefully, while the New Living Translation just says be careful. And then at the very end, it talks about how we live um, in the New Living Translation, and it talks about uh, walking in both the ESV and in the, uh, the MOT. And then the difference, of course, is the New Living Translation says fools, whereas both the ESV and my translation talk about wise or wise ones, not unwise. Now, the, the reason for that is because the New Living Translation is a dynamic equivalent translation, which means it's trying to translate the gist or the meaning, the intent of the passage, not necessarily being literal and word for word in its translation. And that's why we get, be careful how you live, and, and instead of see or look carefully how you live, and uh, it says live, not walk, because we don't usually talk about our walk these days. That used to be a common thing. Back when I was a kid, people would say, how's your walk with Jesus? And what they really meant is, how are you living with Jesus? How, how are you doing in having Jesus be in charge of your life? Are you letting the Holy Spirit live in you? And so thus, uh, how's your walk with Jesus? I like that image. I like to think about walking with Jesus. Actually, I, I like that, the idea that Jesus is right there with me, because he is by the Holy Spirit. So walk and live mean basically the same thing. And about the thing about foolish or unwise. There's not really a big difference there. The, the Greek word uh, Sophia is wisdom or wise, and, and then a Sophia was, is without wisdom, like we would say amoral is without morals. So the, tradi- the prefix ah just means not. So if we are unwise, we're certainly being foolish, especially when it comes in living according to the ways of the Lord. So what's the point? The point is we are supposed to live careful lives. We're supposed to live in wisdom, the wisdom of God, and not be foolish or not live as fools. And uh, uh, careful living means that we're going to do this. We are going to live our lives in the present. We're not going to live our lives in the past. I put it this way. We must live today if we're going to live or walk wisely. What do I mean by that? Well, we can live in one of three time zones. I know there's like a lot of time zones in the world, but there are really only three time zones. There's the present, there's the past, and there is the future. And the wise care. We live in the present. The fools despair. They either live in the past or the future. Despair means literally to to be hopeless. It means that we're living our lives without any reason for confidence in, in life. And and most people who are living in despair are living in the past. And I mean, even people who know Jesus Christ, if they're living uh, in despair, it's because they're living in the past. They think about what happened in the past, and usually they think about some sin of the past that they've lived. And if they hadn't done that, if they hadn't committed that sin, or if they hadn't made this particular decision, if they hadn't taken that wrong road in their life, then today would be good. But because of yesterday, they're in despair, they're hopeless. And so they're stuck in the past, and they, they think there's nothing that can be done to um, make life better. It's like, if only this, if only, if only I hadn't, if only I had, if only, if only, if only. And my mother used to tell me, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. Well, ifs and buts aren't candies and nuts. Ifs and buts 
usually keep us locked in the past and locked in despair. And so fools despair, but the wise care. Now, there's also a despair of the future. And instead of if only, the despair of the future is what if. What if the economy fails? What if the Democrats get elected again? Or what if the Republicans get elected? What if I get cancer? What if, what if, what if? And despair about the future is usually called worry. Jesus told us we're not supposed to worry about the future or despair about the future. In fact, what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that we need will be added to us. So if we're going to live a wise and careful life, and and careful simply means this, to be accurate and cautious in our approach to the matters of today. If we're going to live that kind of life, what we're going to do is we're going to live in the present. We're not going to despair about the past or we're not going to despair about the future. It's not going to be if only or what if. It's going to be I'm going to live today. Now, if you look at the definition of the word careful, in some dictionaries, actually most dictionaries, if you get about to the fourth or the fifth definition, it will say worry. Careful means worrying. But that's not what Paul was talking about at all. He was talking about maintaining a accurate and cautious approach to the present rather than worrying about or despairing about the future. So the wise care fools despair. So what does that mean in real life? In everyday life, how are we going to live right now instead of despairing about the past or worrying about the future? Well, first, let's, let's say, for example, that at some point in the past you committed a sin and you think it's a major sin. Now, God thinks all sin is major. There's no such thing as a little sin or a big sin. There's just sin. But you think because of that sin, you have been disqualified for living in the present as a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When you think that way, it will paralyze you and and you'll live your life in despair. So why? And and sometimes, this is what happens, I'm writing a, a message and I'm sitting there typing away as I'm preparing the message and I think, oh man, why would people listen to me? Because I committed this sin in my past and it's, it's such a per- terrible sin. I don't understand why people, what right do I have to preach? And, and what happens when I think that way and I start to despair, I've learned how to overcome that. And, and, and actually Stephen Furtick wrote a great book called Crashing the Chatterbox and it's all about this. It's about when that voice in our head says, you're still a sinner, you're worthless, you don't matter. And what happens now is I go through a little process. I, I ask myself, is there a sin in my life that I haven't confessed to the Lord? And if there is, I immediately realize that the, that the feeling I'm having is guilt. And that's a good thing because I'm guilty, so I need to confess that sin to God. I need to repent of it or turn away from it, and I need to walk back to God. As soon as I do that, then I can move back into the present. I don't have to live there in the past. Sometimes, though, what happens is I I think about it. There isn't one, but I think, oh, is there a sin that I have been forgiven for that I'm still letting the devil tell me that I'm still a sinner? And I know that you've all experienced that. You've had this time where you've been forgiven, but you just can't get over the fact that you did this particular thing in the past and you don't feel forgiven. Well, the blood of Jesus takes away our sin. And and in fact, it says in the scriptures that if we confess our sin, God is just and faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once that's been done, and, and the devil's still playing with me, trying to get me to live in the past of the sin that I've already been forgiven of, I just say, look, I've been forgiven, and why don't you go play in the street because I don't have time for you. 
Now, the other thing that can happen is uh, it's not a sin because some of the stuff that we're stuck in the past over isn't a sin. It's something that we've done or haven't done, and, and we don't think that we can move on until we get it done. So when that happens, I ask myself another question. Is this something I can do something about in the present? If the answer to that question is yes, then I have to decide, well, what am I going to do about it? If the answer to that question is no, then I say, is this something God can do something about? And you might be thinking, well, God can always do something about everything. No, he can't. There are things that God will not do something about. For example, God will not force another person to be in relationship with us, to forgive us. That's something that we have to work out between the other person. So if it's something that God cannot do something about, then I go back to the present and I live in the present realizing that while God isn't going to do something about it, God can keep changing me. And if it is something that God can do something about, then I ask him to do something about it. We call that prayer. I say, God, please change this situation. And then I move into the present confidently knowing that God is working on it and he can change it however he wants to do it. Now, that took me several minutes to describe. It only takes seconds to happen. I'm feeling like I'm despairing over something in the past, so I go, is it an unconfessed sin? Yes, well, confess and get rid of it. Is it an unconfessed, or is it a, is it a, I should say an unconfessed sin, then I confess it, get rid of it. Is it confessed sin, it's been forgiven, move forward, forget about it. Is it something that I can't do anything about, then let God do something about it. If he can't do something about it, then I move forward. If it's in confidence in him, if it's something I can do something about, then I do something about it. So it, that's despair of the, the past can be taken away by the, that simple process. It's effective when we do it. And it's wise people care. They live accurately and cautiously in the present. They get rid of that stuff that's in the past that's over and done with, move into the present. What about the stuff of the future? What if I say to myself, oh, man. In fact, this is something a lot of people are thinking about. What about my financial situation? What about the future of finances? And, and actually, I, I read this article uh, by a woman whose name is Noelle King of Marketplace Wealth and Poverty, and she said that 50% 50 of Americans have a net worth that is either zero or negative. In other words, if you took everything that they have that's good, positive in the financial area, and you subtracted everything they owed from what they have, the number is zero or less. Now, that's a, that's a reason a lot of people despair about the future. I don't know if I'm going to make it into the future. I don't know what's going to happen because I'm already in this situation. And a lot of people do something that seems right, but it's not really, it's not really helpful. They pray. They say, God, I have $50,000 worth of credit card debt. Will you please get me out of credit card debt? And they don't do anything to change. They don't do anything. Here's the thing you need to understand. This is probably one of the most important things I, I will say today. You cannot behave, you cannot pray yourself out of a situation you've behaved yourself into. We cannot pray ourselves out of a situation that we've behaved ourselves into. Where did I get that idea? I got it from the Bible. Actually, I got it from the situation that happened among the people of Israel when they were going into the promised land. It's in the book of Joshua. And what happened, and you probably may or may not know this story, but if you've read the book of Joshua, you know that the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River. They go into the promised land that God had told them 400 years would be theirs, and they're finally home. But there are these other people living there. And now they have to get rid of the other people. And so they go to Jericho, and God tells them to march around the city for seven days. And they do blow a trumpet, and the walls fall down. And, and we all sang about that, or at least a lot of us went to church, sang about that when we were little kids, you know. And they defeated the people of Jericho. And so the next group of people were the people from a place called 
AI. It's, it's spelled AI, and it's pronounced AI. Well, anyway, it seemed like they sent a couple spies up to look at the AI, and they came back and said, oh, man, there's no big deal. Uh, we don't even have to send, like, the whole army. Just send 3,000 people up there because we can take them with no trouble. And uh, so they go up there, and what happens, instead of taking them with no trouble, is they get their butts kicked, and they're coming home. Some of them got killed, and they're all crying out to Joshua, Joshua, we don't know what happened, but they beat us up, man, and, and I, I don't know what's going on. And Joshua falls on his face and starts to pray to God. Okay, seems like a reasonable response. I'm going to pray because we thought we would win and we're, we're losing. And what does God say? If you read the scripture, it says this, Joshua, get up. In other words, stop praying. And you wouldn't expect God to say stop praying, but God says stop praying. And Joshua goes, what do you mean? He said, Joshua, there's sin among the people. There's a sin that has to be cleaned out before you're going before you're going to be able to defeat this next town. And what happened was when the Jericho, uh, the city of Jericho was defeated, God had said that everything that was in the city was to be left to be devoted to him. They weren't supposed to take any of the spoils, no gold, no silver, anything. And this guy named Achan had taken some of the spoils and put it back in his tent. And so God said, tell the people to prepare themselves, come out the next day, and, uh, and we're going to figure this out. And so the next day it was determined by Lot that Achan and his family were sinners and God destroyed them. And after that, they were able to go up and defeat the city of Ai. So the point is obvious. Joshua thought the answer was prayer. God thought otherwise. It was action. Action was required. Achan's sin had to be atoned for before they could move forward. In the same way in our life, if, if we have, you know, if we've lived our life irresponsibly or maybe we've just hit some really hard times from a financial standpoint and we are, we are really seriously in debt, we can't just sit and pray. We, sh we should pray, but we should look to the scriptures and see the principles there. And one of the things that John Maxwell said a long time ago, he, he's a big uh, advocate of having a budget for our money. He said, if you don't tell your money where to go, which is a budget, then you're going to wonder where it went. And, and that happens to so many people, obviously more than 50% of Americans. And there are 2,000 verses in the Scriptures that talk about money. So if we turn to those verses of Scripture that talk about money and we use them in a way that will honor God, then what's going to happen is, over time, we will be able to use biblical wisdom to see our finances right themselves, and we'll be able to move into the future with confidence, but we'll also be able to live today, which is the only day we have, wisely, because the wise care and fools despair. Now, here's another thing about the future. Recent studies have indicated that one out of every three Americans will someday be, have cancer, the disease of cancer. And people go, oh my, what does that mean? I need to worry about that. I need to despair about, I mean, one out of every three people, I mean, either me or somebody I really love is going to get cancer. And what am I going to do about that? Well, the wise care, the fools despair. So instead of despairing, we say, okay, what can I do about this? Well, one of the things we can do is choose a, a healthy way of living. We can change the way we eat. We can exercise. We can be intentional about the kinds of things that will produce health. And you go, Chris, that's really hard. Well, yeah, it's really hard. But it's even harder to deal with cancer. So we can either make wise choices here and now with regard to our health, or we can ultimately 
develop the consequences. Now, am I saying that if we eat healthily, if we exercise every day, if we make responsible decisions in that regard, that we're never going to get cancer? No, I can't say that. Does it mean we're going to live longer? No. But what, I, what it does mean is we will be able to live here and now with greater health. And we won't be constantly worrying about the future, which is really despair, which takes us away from living our lives today. We'll get rid of the despair and we'll live wise and carefully here and now. So, one final thing that we really need to understand if we want to live here and now wisely, and that is this isn't it. This life is not all there is. One day we all are going to die. One day, unless Jesus returns, which is my preference, one day each of us is going to face Jesus. But in the meantime, we know this. Jesus died on the cross to take away the sin of the world so that those who trust in him can live our, our lives here and now, what he called abundantly, and then one day we're going to be with him forever. The ultimate final word is not despair. The ultimate final word is life in Jesus Christ forever as long as we have trusted him as our Savior and Lord. So every single day of our lives, we can live in him and in his power, the power of his Holy Spirit. One of the things as I get older, and I, you know, we're all getting older every day, but as I get, you know, I'm approaching 60. I'm going to be 57 soon. So I'm approaching 60, and I, I ask myself, am I going to have enough time to do everything God wants me to do? The answer to that question is yes. Each of us has exactly enough time to do everything God created us to do before the foundation of the universe. The only key is for us to live today wisely and carefully so that we will be able to do what we were created to do today because that's the only day we have for sure. We do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Does that mean we don't plan for tomorrow? We don't plan for next week? We don't plan for next year? Of course not. We are supposed to plan. That's part of being a wise person. The wise person stores up, you know, stores for the future. It says in the book of Proverbs. So we are supposed to plan for tomorrow, but we can only live today. And as we live today, we can live in the confidence that there's just enough time to do exactly what God created us to do before the foundation of the universe. Now, some of you are sitting there going, Chris, I knew all of this. I already knew everything you said today. Great. And actually Solomon, King Solomon, said 3,000 years ago, there's nothing new under the sun. There isn't anything new for us to know because it's all been said, it's all been outlined for us before. But here's the thing. Knowing the right thing to do is not always enough. In fact, it's never enough. What we have to do after we know the wise thing to do is to actually do it. We actually have to live our lives here and now with the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, applying the principles from God's Word that will transform us. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about not being molded or shaped like jello into the patterns and behaviors of this world, how do we not do that? We let God transform or change us by renewing our minds, by helping us to see things His way, and then we live into that every single day of our lives. Now, some people think that because of what they did in the past, you know, they're never going to be able to be what God wants them to be today. Some people think, I'm, I'm not going to be as strong as I was. I mean, when, think about this. When I woke up this morning, I was in pain. 
That happens every morning. When I woke up this morning, I knew that I was never going to run another sub-six-minute mile. I knew I was never going to be able to dunk a volleyball again, which I used to be able to do. In this life, there are a lot of things I'm never going to be able to do again because of, of, of time passing on. And some people go, oh, man, and then they go, but back in the day, I used to be able to do this, and they live in yesterday, and that's a very foolish thing to do because ultimately it leads to despair because I'm not today what I was then. But the wise person says, yeah, there are a lot of things I can't do today that I used to be able to do then. But because of Jesus Christ, my life is more meaningful today than it's ever been. And one day, I'm going to a place where everything is perfect and where life is abundant forever with Jesus Christ, with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So here's today's commitment. The commitment is simple. I will make wise choices in the power of the Holy Spirit this week. Now imagine what's going to happen as we do that. As we make wise choices, we stay in the present. We don't go to the past. We don't worry about the future. We just live in the present. We make wise choices, which includes planning for the future, which includes recognizing the sins of the past and having making sure they're dealt with so we don't repeat them again in the present. And when we do that, as as we walk around people, our family members, the people we go to work with, the people we go to school with, everybody, you know, and they see the difference that comes because we're focused on living wisely and carefully in the present, they're going to respond in one of two ways. One group of people are going to see us and they're going to run away like their hair's on fire because they don't want to be around positive people when they're miserable. You know, there's an old saying, misery loves company. It's only partially true. Misery loves miserable company. Misery doesn't love um, positive company. I've been around people, you know, who are miserable. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's not going very well. And I said, oh, man, God's great. God's good. Well, they don't want to be around us when we're like that. But the other group of people are going to look at us and they're going to say, do you think I could change? Do you think my life could be lived in the present here and now? And we can say yes, and we can show them how to do it. And it's simple. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this other stuff that we need will be added. We can bring people from the despair of the past or the worry about the future and let them live in today. We can show them how to do that. And as we do that, it's going to be an encouragement for them. As Jesus said, we're going to be salt and light for everybody else. So at this time, let's pray. And let's ask God to fill us up with his Holy Spirit so we can live today. And each moment he gives us um, with effectiveness, with wisdom, cautiously and accurately. So he's glorified and more and more people come to know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. And thank you for the words of Paul, the apostle, which challenge us and encourage us at the very same time to not be fools, but to live wisely and carefully. God, my prayer is that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit, that everything that we are and everything that we do will bring you glory today, the only day we have. And if you give us tomorrow, we'll do it again tomorrow. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.